Hey guys, and welcome to the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm Caitlin Dorsey, an Abundance Alchemist, animal lover, trauma survivor to thriver, mindset expert, self-love junkie, and author. This is the place to be to grab those powerful tools, ideas, and inspiration to make lasting changes in yourself and your life. No more waiting, my friends, because it's time to show up unapologetically, radiate that confidence, and create a life you absolutely love. Time to buckle up and dive on in. Hello, my high-vibing friends. I'm so excited you're here and as always, have an amazing guest to introduce to you today. Today, we're going to be talking with Dr. Regina Lark. She is the founder and owner of A Clear Path Professional Organizing and Productivity. Regina earned a PhD in U.S. Women's History from the University of Southern California, then worked with the UCLA Women's Studies Program. In 2008, she left her higher education to start A Clear Path. Regina Lark is a feminist historian and professional organizer and brain-hacking entrepreneur. She speaks to the the topic of emotional labor as the unseen, unnoticed, unwaged, unwritten, unanticipated work women do. To help understand the overwhelm, Lark describes the historical journey of so-called women's work, examining the connection between women, emotional labor in the same home, and the hardwiring of the brain. She will talk about how emotional labor slams into executive function at home, causing disorganization, clutter, and other issues we all as organizers commonly see. Lark offers solutions to creating a more equitable distribution of labor at home with dialogue and delegation. Welcome to the podcast, Regina. Oh, I think you're muted. Thank you, Caitlin Dorsey. (laughs) Of course, no worries. So tell me, it goes, you know, a little bit about you. Um, It's obviously shared in your bio, but tell me kind of how you got to what you're doing today. My snarky answer is my mama didn't raise a dummy. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Uh, So I, my, um, my professional journey was uh, for uh, many years in higher education. Pardon me. So when I finished my doctorate, I was on the job market for a couple of years looking for tenure track teaching positions And what I landed on was being an administrator, uh, a director of programs at UCLA Extension. And the job could have been very good for me, but I ran into, um, it, it, it just wasn't a good fit professionally because of the environment that I sort of found myself in. And, uh, so In June of 08, I went to Jerusalem to visit a very good friend of mine. And while I was there, I said, Nadra, I don't want to be a tourist today. How about if I do your kitchen? Pardon me. And she's like, Habibdi, what does that mean? And I said, Nadra, your girls are in their 30s. You got sippy cups in the cupboard. Just let me do what I do. Mm. And she's like, okay. She's very reluctant. Okay. So I decluttered and organized her kitchen. Mm. Back to my desk. And uh, a week later, and I learned a week after that, that my unit was being dismantled and my position eliminated. Mm. Honestly, Caitlin, I had that that clarity of mind. Um, I, I literally said to myself, ah, the goddess of jobs had just done for me what I could not do for myself mm. or would not do for myself. I was tied to a particular salary. I was tied to the prestige of being at a major research institution. So I had, uh, so I was out of a job 10 days later Hmm. and two months into that layoff, I told Ronnie, my roomie, 
I'm going to organize until something better comes along because whatever I did in Nadara's kitchen that day, <clears throat> two months prior was a good result. Mm. And she really, she really liked the result. Mm-hmm. I didn't think anything of it. So uh, we looked up organizers in the zip code and the first person to come up is Catherine Macy. Catherine, I'm reading her website, PhD in electrical engineering. And I thought, oh, organizers must be smart people. Mm. Also, Ronnie the Rumi knew Catherine in a completely different capacity, not as an organizer. She called her up, said, my roommate. Catherine says, great. Can you come over for dinner tonight? We took a walk. We went to dinner at her apartment. I looked down an alley. I said, Ronnie, If I'm going to have a business, it should start with the letter A. And how about a clear path? She's like, great. So I thought, okay. Catherine told me everything I wanted to know about the industry. She had been in it about two years, um, had had moved from being a a research professor to starting her family. Mm -hmm. And the organizing was supplementing the family income. Mm. So she hired me as an assistant for a couple of jobs. And I'm thinking, what? People pay you? People will pay me to do something that comes very, very naturally to me. Mm-hmm. So I was off and running. And in that first year, while I'm recognizing that the art and practice of being tidy, and maintaining tidiness is natural to me. I'm noticing right away that people who call people like me, it's not natural to them. And I I didn't have a frame of reference for that. Although over the years, you know, hindsight, I learned that in my family of origin, not that I've learned, I've noticed that in my family of origin, there are six of us. Four of us are wired just like me. And two of us need us. Hmm. So I've been around clutter. Mm-hmm. But I would think, well, it was my mom and she, you know, was a single parent for many years. And so she was raising us, you know, I mean, so it didn't occur to me to wonder why there was clutter. It just was there and I and I helped manage it. Mm-hmm. But when I'm working as an organizer and I'm seeing this and people are calling me to do the work, um, there were a couple of couple of instances where I I was curious, like, wow, you're asking me permission to let this go. And it just was curious because I could have looked at it and thought, oh, I'm not using it. It's going to the it's going to the donation bag I keep by the door. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 I found um I found a, 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 a an organization called the Institute for Challenging Disorganization. Mm. And the Institute, ICD as it's called, I describe it as where mental health professionals meet professional organizers. I love and that. So the coursework and training that I did helped me to work better with people with brain-based conditions. Mm -hmm. So year two and three, 
I'm working with people with brain-based conditions. I'm recognizing from the hoarding disorder to depression, anxiety. One thing they all had in common was weak or tweaked executive function skills. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your listeners, what kind of education they've had on your show. I don't know what what is known about executive function, but briefly, mm-hmm. our executive functions are what got us here on the on the call on time today. Mm-hmm. It's our ability to manage our relationship with time, our emotions, our um, our ability to plan and prioritize. Mm-hmm. Executive function. Um, what I've noticed about people with clutter. They have really um, lousy executive function skills Mm -hmm. because they have a really hard time planning, prioritizing, because they have a really hard relationship with time. They tend toward clutter because what comes out of their mouth is I'll get to it when I have time. There is no time. I have no time. I have never seen later or someday on any calendar. Mm hmm. So I'm learning all of this, right? And I'm and I'm talking to clients and I'm talking about the brain and I'm looking at the world through the lens of executive functions. And, and then one day, one of my clients was telling me how sh- ashamed she was of her space mm-hmm. and how depressed it made her feel. Mm-hmm. And 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 she, that it was she just couldn't keep up. It was very hard. The work. I mean, come on, managing a home. If you don't have that skill set, the work in and of itself isn't hard work, but it's work, and it takes particular skill sets. Mm-hmm get it done. So Sylvia's telling me how ashamed she was. And I said, well, how come the family isn't doing all of this with you? Like, wouldn't that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she has a spouse and, uh, and um, you know, teenage teenagers. And she goes, but this is my job. This is what I'm supposed to. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And I, I remember sitting down on the floor with her in the living room and I and I recited Women's Studies 101 and I talked about um, why her why she has the perception that this is her job. Mm. And and what it actually takes to do the job, mm-hmm. it requires a healthy set of executive functioning skills. Hands down. Or a good, or the ability to access enough discretionary money to outsource all of it. Mm. Okay. Because it's work in the household that has to be done. It often has to be done in a very timely, time managed way. Mm-hmm. It has to be done without blowing your cork. Mm-hmm. I'm not folding another sheet, whatever. Mm-hmm. It also has to be done. It also has to, you know, the executive function also has to be managing your emotions when you have to go over homework. You have to get food on the table. You have to um, 
you have to schedule play dates. You have to uh, schedule a five-year-old for an appointment, for a dental appointment, is, is not just picking up the phone. It's where do your friends take their five-year-old? What when when do you, when is your working day going to allow you to take time off to go to the dentist? I mean, all of that. So the work of the household is both invisible and visible. Mm-hmm. The invisible part, thinking about making the appointment. Mm-hmm. The visible part, typing an email to your friends, finding out the five-year-old. The invisible part, mulling over what they're telling you. The visible part, picking up the phone and calling the dentist. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. And for those who are who have strong executive functioning skills, mm-hmm. um, and female, will likely do all that work without really thinking about it. It's not hard. It's how they. It's how they're wired. Um, but even for those folks, there comes a time like, wait a minute, why am I doing it all? Yes, I'm better at it, but is that fair? So Oof, is that is, fair? Yeah, is that fair? <laughs> yeah. So the work is the work. It's a lot of work. It's nonstop. It does not end mm-hmm. because you can fold the last sheet coming out of the dryer, but there's four towels and, and underwear in the hamper. Mm-hmm. So it laundry never ends. Right. Cooking never ends. Shopping never ends. The tasks that tend to be more associated with females in the household versus males. Mm-hmm. Males, we, you know, stereotypically, um, once a week, once a month, often done. Mm-hmm. A lot of the burden on, so there tends to be a burden on just one person, regardless of that they have the skill set or not. And if it's, she's female. So it just, it's like this default thing. It's like this historical myth that she's just better at it. Mm. (laughs) What other questions do you have for me? I love it. No, I I think you hit on so many of them already, right? Like, I love that you kind of started talking about this historical idea that's come from, you know, one of the reasons that it really interested me in having you on the podcast was this connection of clutter and how it impacts us and, and specifically with our, with our brain, right? I notice if there's clutter for me, my anxiety is a lot higher, right? Like I start to notice that I get more anxious or I am less able to focus on the tasks that I have at hand. And my goodness, it becomes really, really hard when you add, like you said, specifically, we're talking about, you know, a a mom and with kids, right? Like I have a little one and my goodness, does he add so much more? Is he worth it? 100%, but does a lot more fall on me? Yeah. And the hard part, especially adding another layer as I'm thinking about this is I work full-time, but I work full-time from home because I do telehealth counseling. So now it's, Hey, there's this piece of not even from my husband. It's the pressure for me that I put on myself. And I know that of, okay, wait, no, like, Oh, in between sessions when I'm supposed to be decompressing and writing notes so that I can prepare for my next session is, Oh shoot, I got to go change the laundry or these other pieces. Right. So I like that you highlighted this piece of how it becomes just a myth that we are just supposed to do that. And I think I'm curious if you could talk a little bit more about how, how kind of some of the women's studies, the the background that you have with our historical piece 
has impacted really how we're still functioning today and also have outgrown this today, still operate that way. Apparently they did a really good job. Yes. <laughs> True. It's killing it. Yeah. Uh, I, Caitlin, quite honestly, I'm very curious about that too. I, I, um, it's not clear. And I, I, what I do is I just hear a lot of women talk with me Mm -hmm. and here's a common phrase. My husband keeps asking me how he can help me. Mm -hmm. And it's, and if he asks how he can help in relationship to every single task, what it tells me is that she's the one responsible for every single task. So what I'd rather hear mm-hmm. is let's partner together mm-hmm. and divide and conquer this list. Mm-hmm. Let's partner together and and um, disrupt this narrative because in a day, say in a in a uh, from six a.m. to eleven p.m. If at one point the the spouse that is not shouldering the weight of the household, at one point of that day, if that person says, how can I help you? The chances are very good that um, they've talked about this a lot. Mm. <laughs> and she hasn't been able to articulate this notion of disrupting the narrative, mm-hmm. putting a stick of dynamite into how we're doing it mm-hmm. and to engage in, in what myself and my co-author uh, Judith Colbert call radical delegation, mm. delegating the work that has to be done because it has to be done, not based on who's good at it, mm-hmm. but based on the fact that it has to be done. I love that. You know, and I think honestly, that was one of the biggest shifts in my own personal relationship is I've never heard that before. And I love that topic. But in counseling, we talk a lot about radical acceptance, right? Just accepting things how they are. So same idea, you know, as far as delegating. But I think that was one of the things that really impacted our relationship was we both looked at like, hey, you know what? Neither of us like to do the dishes. They have to get done. So who does it? And what does the other person take on? And it has been... One of those things, like you said, that the conversation, it takes away that narrative of having to have the repeated conversation that so many of us dread having with our partner over and over again. It's it's exhausting. And so I'm curious with this piece, we're talking a lot about clutter. We're talking about how they impact each other as far as like mental health or brain disorders. Why do people have clutter? I, I, um, well, first, you know, One woman's clutter is another woman's treasure. So whatever somebody is identifying as too much or in the way, whatever words they're using, Mm -hmm. too much or in the way. I think that a, a lot of people hold on to things for one of two reasons. So the first reason is they're holding on to things that they think they may need someday. Mm-hmm. Totally cool. Of course, if you have it, 
and you really believe you're going to need it someday. Mm-hmm. But often the next question is not. Often there's no next question. Often they just keep it instead of asking, what does someday have to look like? Mm. But instead of asking that question, there's an assumption that someday will come. And if they don't have this, a catastrophe will unfold. They will catastrophize the outcome. Mm -hmm. If I don't have this, then what? Mm -hmm. What they don't follow that up with often is then what? Well, oh, I have something I can substitute. Oh, this cost under $5 and I don't live in the Adirondacks. I think I'll just go walk to 7-Eleven and get one. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's I don't mean to minimize it that much, but most of us don't live in the Adirondacks here mm-hmm. in the contiguous, you know, mm-hmm. United States. And 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 there is, uh, and then there's Amazon, so we can get it in a minute. Mm-hmm. So I think there's this holding on to things that we think we may need someday. We can identify someday, and we don't we don't really know what catastrophe will befall us. Mm. If someday comes and I don't have this. Mm. So without thinking too much, we just hold on to it mm-hmm. because they're afraid that if someday comes and I don't have this, something not good's going to happen. And it could be benign or it could be a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Whatever our perception, whatever perception we choose. Okay. Mm-hmm. Holding on to the future. Then, we're holding on to things that came into our life from somebody else, some other way, some activity we did. We graduated. We wrote an A paper. We have great report cards that um, our brother had um, B's the month, the semester I got all A's. I'm holding on to that one. Okay. <laughs> doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what those artifacts are from the past and how they got there. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, it is an artifact from the past. Mm-hmm. The other hand, when your grandma was your age, she made these ceramic tiles. <laughs> and these tiles were the best tiles in the whole village. Mm-hmm. And what happens to this tile that was just an artifact becomes memorialized, sentimentalized. It's mm-hmm. given gravitas. Mm-hmm. And it could be the tile that grandma made when she was a kid doing ceramics in the village. It could also be the drawings that your child made in school. It could mm-hmm. also be the threadbare pillow that your that your that the dog who was with you through the whole horrible breakup. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The dog died, and you know it could be all kinds of things mm-hmm. that when they actually enter our life. So there's two of those categories, stuff that entered our life that was just stuff that we have given new meaning and attention to, sentimentalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's what somebody told us about it, like the tile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was just asked the question, how do we how do we help our kids not, um, <clears throat> pardon me, not be so sentimental? And it's like, mm-hmm. where did they get that from in the first place? Mm-hmm. Like they didn't. They didn't come out of the shoot saying, ah, this is something to hold on to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Someone taught them that. 
Mm-hmm. So, so looking at if you think there's too much or you can't get to what you need when you want it, whatever you're calling clutter, I I, I first encourage, well, what's here that you think you're going to need someday? And see if you can start getting close to what someday has to look like, like the crock pot. If I don't make Swedish meatballs by December 31st, 2023, I'm getting rid of the crock pot. Mm-hmm. Give, it, um, give it a boundary. Mm. Give it, give it um, if, it, if it's something that you're like, oh, I don't know. You actually do know. <laughs> you can make Swedish meatballs tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So again, it's, yes, it's tedious and very time consuming to ask the questions of all of these things, but you could do it right from your couch when you're looking at it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it's, it doesn't have to be deliberate, but if the clutter, if the stuff that you're calling clutter is giving you agita, Mm -hmm. if you're embarrassed to have somebody come over, Mm -hmm. if, if the other person in the household is like, what the hell? How come you can't clean up after you? Well, that's that's a different conversation. If you if if what you if the clutter is giving you anxiety, then it's like it's like a band-aid. You gotta rip it off, it's gonna hurt a second, but you're gonna be fine. I always say whatever decision you make isn't wrong because for me, worst case scenario, making the wrong decision means I'm gonna die. Mm-hmm. So chances are very good that mm-hmm. no matter what I decide, there won't be a worst case scenario. I like that. So I, I like the idea of kind of how we can start as setting some boundaries as with time limits on things that we haven't used. What came up for me was that piece of artwork on my fridge that my one-year-old made. How do I, obviously I'm not going to use that. So how do I start to not save everything he brings home? Um, so get into the, uh, uh, the, um, get a bin for under the bed. Okay. Stuff goes on the fridge two weeks. Give it two weeks. Okay. Change it up. Everything comes off the fridge. It goes in the bin under the bed. Just okay. throw it in there. Okay. Don't what happens to- when the bin's too full? No. The bin is going to. So so there's a school year. Mm-hmm. Um, summer doesn't get to begin until you handle the bin under the bed. Hmm get to the first day of summer it's on the calendar that you're going to deal with the bin under the bed and the mm-hmm. bin under the bed is you make one last pass through all of it mm-hmm. and the stuff that feels really precious you take a picture and you send the picture to snapfish and you make a book of first grade and you make a book of second grade this is a book from a a a, a girl's weekend that my friend made i love that these are all our pictures from the weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't have them anywhere else, but I have the book. Mm-hmm. Because whatever we've decided to save, we decided to save because it evokes a feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we necessarily have to have the thing. You, The feeling will be there. You see that macaroni house on the shelf in the garage? Versus when it looked pretty new and <laughs> you mm-hmm. took a picture of it and put it in the book. Mm-hmm. Come on. There's yeah. no comparison. I love that. You know, it's so true. That's, I love that you said that about the books. That's exactly what I did for my 
son's first year of life because I was like, there's too many pictures, but now it's beautiful. And like I go through, I remember those times and I can elicit that emotion inside of me. You don't need that thing. Like you said, exactly. Because it does bring up that feeling of Mm -hmm. love and tenderness and oh my gosh, it was so cute and all of that. Mm -hmm. Instead of cursing at it, oh, I just keep moving this bin and you know, I mean, I come across a lot of of um, bins of baby clothes. Mm-hmm. We I, there's almost an insatiable desire to keep everything with us all the time. So the past becomes the present, becomes the future, and then it's part of the past again. And 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 nothing in our lives tends to have an exit strategy. Mm-hmm. It just comes in and sits. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We put it in a bin and then we put it in the garage or we put it into storage. I look at public storage. What state are you in? I'm in Colorado. Okay. So in LA County, Los Angeles County, there are so many public storage units. Mm -hmm. Same here. I I call it the land of emotional mismanagement. It's the land of what I think I may need someday. And it's the land of... Whoever gave this to me, I ain't letting it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, storage units are just one in their own a conversation. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I just can't. I can't get behind that idea for the same reason, right? If you're not using it, you don't need it. And it made me think too, one thing that you're kind of highlighting and I love is also this idea of specifically with like baby clothes, it made me think of use making it into something that's going to be usable, right? Like if you're done having kids, there's not, you don't need the baby clothes anymore. I saw this, um, you know, ad of course on social media and it was, you know, finding the favorite onesie and they put it in a sweatshirt that says mama or something. And so then it's all the baby clothes is gone, but you still have the one sweatshirt that is something like that, that you're going to use, you're going to wear, whether you know, it doesn't have to be that, but again, finding it, if it's usable and letting go of kind of that thing where you're still having the sentimental value, but also releasing so that again, you have more space, not only in your house, but in your head, which is kind of the equivalation I'm seeing. Yeah. Right. Because our head can't hold it all. Another question I encourage people to ask is what does it mean to have enough? Mm. How many, how many of anything is enough? I don't know the answer. I know what's enough for me. Enough for me is as I'm I'm at uh I think I'm at 10 pair of black pants. Okay. Two black jeans. Uh really two pair of really nice pants like mm-hmm. you know cocktail type uh and then like three or four pair of of pants like for going out networking and and mm-hmm. things like that. That's enough for me. Mhm. Um, so asking, what does it mean to have enough? See if you can quantify, if you're, if you're looking at something, there's a lot of volume from hair ties to t-shirts to books, mm-hmm. people have a hard time letting go of books. And I'm, it's kind of like what you just said. Um, this thing about clothing, baby's clothing, clothing was meant to be worn. Books were meant to be read. So if we're not reading what's on our shelf, let them get their due. Mm -hmm. And if it's a book that you read over and over again, I think that's lovely. Mm -hmm. Great. Mm -hmm. But if you have a whole bunch of others that 
no longer interest you, or you're like, I know, I mean, I have books that I know I will never read mm-hmm. the idea of this book. But if I haven't read the book that's been on my shelf for five years, I will either increase the likelihood that I'll read it if I put it on my calendar to read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't do that, I would say, let it go. Okay. Do you think that this goes over to digital clutter? Because I think that's a big oh, thing. Absolutely. Okay. absolutely. How many hard drives do people have? Mm-hmm. How many external hard drives have I seen on in one desk? Mm-hmm. Dozens. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's how the brain is wired. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, I think I may need this someday. This is, look at the, these are the lyrics that I wrote when I was 12. Mm-hmm. I digitized, you know, I mean, we we are the ones who place the value on the item. I'm not talking about the monetary value. I rarely talk about the monetary value because our shelves and our closets and our clothes for the average person aren't filled with, with really high net worth stuff. Mm-hmm. Just stuff. We mm-hmm. shop at, at Nordstrom's and Target and Macy's and and um and 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 really nice stores. I mean, we shop at these stores, but they're stores with clothes. And we, so I look at, um, I look at at that our stuff was just meant to be used, and mm-hmm. if we aren't able to access what we want to use, because we're constantly moving other things around to get to what we want to use. I think we just, I I would just love for people to ask themselves more questions, become more curious Mm -hmm. about habits and behaviors. Just curious, Mm -hmm. don't label or judge yourself. Go, oh, why do I put that there? Even though I know it lives over there. Just be curious. I Uh, love that. I ran out of time. I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Well, I love that because... I think what you're talking about is why we're not, is we're so afraid of what the answer is going to be. We're afraid of, you know, oh, well, asking ourselves or even having that judgment, right? Or not going into self-judgment or even taking the time to do it. Right. And 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 um, taking the time, you know, when I, I, I hear what comes out of people's mouths about their relationship with time, yeah. I can't take the time. Mm-hmm. Because because then we we put a value on this idea of time mm-hmm. instead of allowing the questions or the curiosity to just ruminate. Mm. You know, well, if I'm going to do that, you know, where am I going to get the time? Mm-hmm. Instead of instead of just being curious. Love it. Perfect. Well, Regina, I have enjoyed our conversation so ah. much. I'm sure our listeners have as well. Um, so thank you so much for coming on and sharing. I'm going to put all of Regina's information in the episode notes so that you can find her, ask her your questions, follow all the things she's doing. Um, again, appreciate your time. And listeners, I appreciate your time. I know it's valuable and I appreciate you spending it here with us. Nice. Thank you, Kate. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.